नमस्ते एंड वेलकम टू अनदर एडिशन ऑफ द भारत वार्ता वीकली विद मी रोशन कार्यपा एज यूजल आशीष एंड वत्सा जॉइनिंग मी टू डिस्कस द न्यूज एंड इवेंट्स ऑफ द वीक दट वॉज हे आशीष हे वत्सा इंटरेस्टिंग वीक आई कैरी यस आई कैरी वीक राइट so we put out uh, three episodes and all of them fairly diverse and uh, very very interesting i thought uh, ashish what do you think about the deep dive on the bengal elections yeah uh, great deep dive uh, rohit who's our resident political expert i mean he has a lot of insights on the composition of every state political demographic economic and all of that so uh, always great to hear him we also had akhi uh, make her debut on the bharat varta podcast uh she's a local so she had a very uh let's say a bottom up perspective of what's going on in the state and what what the issues are so so really enjoyed it anyone who's into politics should not miss this episode yeah what's up what do you think about uh, uh the episode with the grandmaster ramesh yeah i mean first of all you know india has produced only 67 grandmasters in more than 70 years to be able to talk to one was pretty amazing in itself i think the th- thing that stood out with ramesh was his candor you know how frank he was when i especially you know when i asked him how did he feel about you know not being kind of left out for a, a you know when it came to consideration for awards like dronacharya or parents kind of deciding or interfering too much in mm-hmm. children uh, picking hobbies he was very frank and honest and uh, that came through very well uh he was honest enough to mention that not getting an award actually hurt him uh which is you know people tend to be more diplomatic about these things but uh, i think that's what stood out and also the kind of work that's been done by chess gurukul and their achievements if you look at what indian chess has achieved in the last 10 years chess gurukul has had a significant role in that so fabulous it was great talking to ramesh yeah uh, interesting episode definitely and uh, i think my favorite of the last week no points for guessing was uh, the the brief but very insightful conversation we had with uh, uh, mr rakesh verma uh, to me i mean you know someone quitting a successful career in the us uh, with general motors coming back to india in the 90s when you know internet adoption uh, was still very nascent uh, and then investing in uh, building digital maps for the seventh largest country in the world <laughs> was uh, really i mean something something inspiring i would say and he spoke uh, very passionately about the almost two and a half decade journey that map my india has uh, you know uh, now been through right and their partnership with isro and you know what they have uh, as plans for the future uh, i think this embodies the atmanirbhar technology initiative i would say right uh, so very inspirational episode um so hope you guys liked it uh, let us know what you liked about these particular episodes in the comments all right moving on to the first piece of news uh, for the week uh, the union minister nitin gadkari ji announced the new vehicle scrappage uh, policy the new policy aims to make the process of getting a fitness certificate uh, a digital process and reduce human intervention as much as possible uh, the union minister also claimed that this policy will help india's automobile sector grow from the current 4.5 lakh crore to about 10 lakh crores uh what's up pretty interesting we've spoken about how digitalization is uh, uh really helping uh, you know on many of these fronts right including the other enabled services and so on uh what do you think about this 
yeah right uh, so this is a this is a very interesting policy uh, something like this was tried in the us uh, more than a decade ago it was called cash for clunkers uh, where people could you know sort of uh, scrap their old vehicles and get a discount if they buy a new vehicle with a certain uh, fuel efficiency uh, we are trying something similar so uh, one thing we can expect is that if this is successful the amount of pollution should definitely go down uh, this policy was you know thought of in the first modi government and uh, as usual it takes you know while consulting with uh, industry associations bunch of people and so on uh, before it actually uh, is implemented uh, so sometime in 2019 july the government actually proposed amendments to the first policy uh, and said that for older vehicles fitness certificates would be issued once in 6 months instead of a year so the idea is basically to encourage people to move to newer vehicles once their uh, vehicles reach a certain age the consult uh, consultation also included the uh, automobile manufacturers so all stakeholders were consulted while coming up with the policy uh, and it was announced by the finance minister in the uh, budget speech uh, so uh, the thing is that you know because of covid automobile sales have fallen dramatically right in india so uh, from around 21.5 million units uh, in the last fiscal year uh, and it's fallen by another 24% till uh, till december 2020 right so uh, something is definitely needed to revive the automobile industry and the sale of new vehicles and this could be one such step uh, which coupled with you know the benefits that people will get Uh, for buying new vehicles should reduce pollution uh, the other thing that nitin gadkari mentioned was uh, that people will get certain rebates when they buy new cars uh, for junking old cars they'll also get a rebate on road tax uh, in addition you know the government has done a good thing in the sense that they have shown that they're not just preaching they have said that they will start scrapping vehicles that are 15 years uh, old so the government itself is taking the first step uh, in this case and you know not just trying to preach to others that this these rules are for others it's taking the first step and it's going to start scrapping its own vehicles uh so some of the benefits that i could think of i think nitin gadkari also mentioned this which is that uh, because a lot of this scrap vehicles they are expected to be recycled this helps the domestic automobile manufacturing in india so that's that's a, a definite positive uh, however there are some other things that need to be in place and you know the minister mentioned that as well which is to first of all i, I don't think in india we have a standardized scrapping mechanism right for vehicles then the other thing is it has to be kind of centralized in a database because if people have to go and claim rebates against scrap vehicles they'll have to be issued certificates so that data again needs to be centralized and it needs to be available uh, you know across the country so these are some of the other initiatives that are taking place uh, i think uh, in the short run it will definitely help the automobile industry and we should also see more uh, fuel efficient vehicles on the road right so moving on uh the 
India's exporting of vaccines, which has been universally lauded, right, has uh, uh, come under some criticism from the usual quarters uh, regarding, you know, insufficient testing and so on and so forth. Uh, Ashish, uh, your comments about this and what do you make of this? Yeah, uh, so India has been exporting vaccines and by exporting, not just in the sense of giving it free, but uh, some of them are through uh, commercial means as well. But there's been a criticism that India is actually giving out vaccines while there's a quote-unquote shortage uh, within the country. Now, that doesn't seem to be correct. Uh, just to be, just to get some numbers here, so uh, India has currently, in the, in the about 50-60 days uh, since the vaccine, vaccine availability came up, uh, we have shipped about... Uh, 59 million vaccines of which uh, and uh, to 72 different countries so about eight only about uh, uh, eight million are free which is like a gift which we have given uh, the gifts which go out with the tag of uh, then there are uh, the uh, the commercial distribution which is about uh, i think 34 uh, million and the rest about 17 million has been given by the gavi the global alliance for vaccine and immunization uh, the alliance which kind of helps various countries, right? Now, uh, India itself has vaccinated cl close to, I mean, we've given about 4.5 crore jabs. That must be the number end of the day today, uh, of which about 80 lakhs would be uh, both rounds completed and then the rest are round ones. So uh, the, 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 the argument is that India is facing a shortage because we are exporting. Now that uh, is not the, uh, the true picture. I would actually like to compare the current vaccination situation in India with the Indian power sector. Right. So like we know that in power sector, you have a surplus of power when it is produced. Uh, the transmission has now been fixed up in the sense that you can send power from one point to another, from the point of production to a point of potential consumption. But the distribution is where the, the problem lies. Right. Like we, we the, the state distribution companies are not able to get the power to all the homes or industries 24-7. The vaccine situation is following exactly the same model. We have absolutely no issues in terms of production in the sense that uh, the, the, the limitation only is the SII and Bharat Biotech uh, capacities, but right now they have more capacities than what is what is really needed or in, in the current structure of Indian vaccination. The distribution seems to be quite, I mean, the rather transmission or the logistics seems to be quite firmed up. Uh, it seems to be quite all right. Uh, we, we seem to have fixed it. The issue is that the states are not really delivering on the last mile uh, program, right? Like in the sense that one is, of course, people are not registering themselves, especially the category of 45 to 60 with comorbidities. That is where the, the real slack is. But also the states have got weird rules, like they won't vaccinate on Sundays, or they would only do four days a week. Or um, although like uh, there are central government has allowed 24 hour vaccination for private hospitals in several states, that's not happening. And states don't seem to be taking um, the plus. I mean, there's there's a wastage situation also, right? So several states have also got high high wastage as well. Wastage also means that it could also be being sold in black market, right? Some they, they may mark something as wastage, but essentially use the same vaccine to be to to sell in in black in the uh, to to those who are willing to pay. So there are these last mile issues which which persist. And like as Mandar said on the YouTube chat, also like what India needs now is to open up the eligibility. Um, when we open up the eligibility, the, then at that point, the vaccine availability may be in question, right? So that, that it, it is then that the, the capacity of SI and Bharat Biotech will be tested. My personal sense is that we will get uh, a more open regime starting May, 
we might have another one 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 and a half months of let's say uh, more like category based restrictions go uh, you know going away so for example next we might see everyone 50 years and above who can get vaccinated and by by let's say uh, mid april it could become 45 years of uh, of of eligibility but i think in sometime in may we should be have we should be able to get much more open uh, uh, you know vaccination one one issue for the government to consider is that our current vaccination strategy is to prevent deaths in the sense that we are targeting people who are more likely to die should they were to uh, contract covid right uh, while actually the transmission is happening in a category which is a different uh, bulk of the patients seem to be in the category which are not covered by vaccination for because they are the ones who are traveling or moving out and contacting more people so there's a bit of a what what in banking terms could be called the asset liability mismatch here right so we we are we are we are uh, targeting a set of population to ensure that they don't severe i mean they don't suffer severe consequences but transmission is not being curtailed right now so i think that uh, that needs to be matched at some point and my my guess is that will happen in mid may or also right so moving on uh, there's a reported shortage in auto chips across the world uh, manufacturing of auto chips across the world over the past two weeks automakers across the world have bemoaned the shortage of these chips uh germany's audi for instance which is owned by volkswagen will delay making some of its high end vehicles because of what the ceo markus uh, dusman called a massive shortfall now this is a further blow to an industry which is reeling already under the covid-19 induced shutdowns and uh, you know the global market uh, sort of contracting uh, uh, generally right so uh, what's up what do you make of this uh so carry uh, i think uh... I, I don't see this going away very soon, to be honest. Uh, that's the short answer. But uh, you know what happened was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, so the Indian auto industry was hit due to COVID. Globally, the auto industry was hit due to COVID, right? And plus, uh, you know, modern manufacturing is based on a, a lean kind of setup. So companies don't hold a lot of inventory. Uh, you know, they don't hold inventory for say six months or so. right so they order as they need it and they have a sort of tight production cycle supply chains are very lean uh while that's a good thing in the normal times but when there is a disruption like covid it it creates problems so what happened was uh, because auto sales fell by about 15% last year globally uh this led to a lower demand from auto companies uh but at the same time something else happened there was more work from home there was school from home university from home and so on and there was more demand for other electronic gadgets right so whether it be smartphones uh tablets computers and so on so what a lot of these semiconductor manufacturing companies or chip manufacturing companies did was they utilized that capacity the drop in uh demand from the auto industry and started setting up new lines to meet the increased demand you know in the consumer electronic space uh now the auto industry recovered much faster than expected people uh suddenly you know shared travel or whatever became like a taboo so people wanted to buy more vehicles they wanted their own vehicles to move around so that uh led to you know the auto industry making a comeback much faster uh because of that uh plus the fact that you know chips were in short supply uh the demand uh, obviously the supply could not keep up with the demand uh 
and you know chips form a big chunk of the cost of manufacturing right or you know the components that go in a car about 40% of the cost of a car is integrated electronics today it was probably half of that you know two decades ago uh and the other thing is that auto manufacturers use slightly older kind of chipsets so the latest ones are used by you know mobile uh, mobile companies or those who manufacture laptops and so on right so for chip manufacturers to again go back to an older setup and then again there is the demand once the demand comes in it takes them about 6 months 26 weeks to set up a line so uh, considering all this even though the kind of demand has started picking up it will still take a few months uh, before chip manufacturers are able to scale up again uh, plus you know there is this tension between china and taiwan but that will i think affect the overall sort of demand for chips uh, that's that's still a play that's that's in progress we have to see how you know we may be talking about this in a few months from now uh, again in a much larger context right interesting uh in more interesting news the government has decided to open up the domestic capital flood gates by allowing pension funds and insurance companies to invest in startups uh the government of course is looking at ways to attract domestic capital for indian startups uh, and also make this new economy atmanirbhar uh, earlier this week uh, the government via a gazetted uh, notification had allowed pension funds to invest in startups and in a similar way uh, insurance companies may soon also be permitted to do that uh ashish uh, this is pretty big news right so what do you say the impact of this yeah absolutely uh so we have been talking about patient capital flowing in, in indian economy from a investment standpoint right for infrastructure for startups so for basically for asset classes which produce return uh, in a, in a longer duration so you invest now but the the capital requirement now could be high but the returns will be accruing let's say a few years down the line so that is where these uh, pension funds uh, kind of invest and uh, we of course want much much more of this capital uh, especially because we seem to be blocking the chinese route right so one of the two main routes which is american and chinese so the chinese route seem to be currently blocked or restricted given the various tensions which are there with the, with the uh, on you know on the border so uh, in that sense the finance ministry now has allowed domestic uh, private provident funds to invest up to 5% of their surplus uh, in aifs the 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 investment in startups is not directed as via the alternative investment funds uh, what is called the category 2 uh, aifs which typically invest in real estate uh, uh, or 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 other i mean basically startup or uh, startup type funds basically so uh, constructs which are longer term returns in in nature so uh, there are some rules also to ensure that this money uh, this is of course risk, risk capital it is at the, the this capital may be lost but then which is why there is a cap of 5% only that you cannot uh, invest more than 5% of the corpus they can also also uh, invest only in aifs with a minimum corpus of 100 crores so only large proven aifs which have got a proper investment strategy uh, can be used by these private provident funds there's also restrictions around who's managing the aif and who's managing the actual fund the, the actual investments into the end startups so those personnel or those entities cannot be related to the ones which are floating the pension fund in the first place so so that there is no conflict of interest there so all the safeguards are in place uh, this 
<coughs> rule was discussed last year by the DPIIT uh, under Ministry of Commerce. Uh, they have been holding this uh, consultation since the mid of last year, and uh, they had to take on board uh, regulators like the Insurance uh, Regulatory and Development Authority or the IRDAI, and of course SEBI. Uh, and I think that process was now completed, and uh, it was the the notification was was issued now. The bigger gain uh, carry will happen when the insurance companies are allowed to do this, uh, because that's uh, that 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 see insurance by nature has got a much more commercial proposition. Uh, there can be products which can be structured in the insurance world. The the pension products are fairly vanilla in nature, right? Basically, I mean you save for your retirement. and that corpus increases uh, as the time goes by to cover for all the members of any any uh, any any fund participating i mean all the participating members of a, of a, of a fund but for insurance there could be much more commercial uh, implications for this and of course they'll have to safeguard like uh, within an aif the money which is flowing via the insurance route has to be ring fenced and so on so there will be some rules which will be needed in terms of uh, executing it but once that happens uh india will open a tap in, in a in a huge way uh for for like, for the insurance premiums to be routed into the startup world and that could really open up quite a few possibilities uh for the indian technology players yeah this is uh, fantastic news uh moving on so bihar became the first uh, state with a new ethanol policy as such uh, the government announced this last week uh bihar's industry minister shanawas hussain said no food grains will now be wasted as the ethanol production promotion policy approved by the state cabinet on wednesday will allow investors to directly make ethanol from maize uh, molasses broken rice and rotten grains uh, he said and to quote this will bring money to farmers and make bihar the ethanol hub of the country uh, as he introduced a policy to prospective investors on friday Uh, the new policy allows ethanol production from all feedstocks uh, permitted under the national policy on biofuels uh, which came about in 2018 and subsequently by the national biofuel coordination committee what's up what do you make of this <laughs> so bihar is the first state uh, which has uh, actually gone down this road uh, even though the national policy on biofuels was uh, announced nearly 2 years ago uh, and that the policy aimed to uh, you know increase the utilization of biofuels so india currently i think has about one and a half uh, i don't recall the exact number but the target is to reach 20% uh, sort of mixing with uh, with uh, you know in petrol diesel and so on uh, mixing of biofuel so that that's the targeted uh, com- component of biofuels and we are i think in uh, low single digits now uh the the thing is uh, there are there are some uh, you know parts to this policy which are very interesting so uh, the policy doesn't just talk about the conventional ways by which you can generate uh, biofuel which is you know through sugarcane molasses and so on it talks about used grains using aquatic plants algae and so on so the policy takes like a much uh, broader view of what can be used to generate uh biofuels and the thing with biofuels is they give us a uh, carbon from a source that can be recycled so uh, it's it's much more eco friendly uh in that sense uh bihar's plan is is quite ambitious they are looking to double the amount of ethanol that is produced uh you know through some of these mechanisms such as sugarcane molasses and so on they currently do about 
65 kiloliter 65 to 75 kiloliters a day which would uh, you know translate to i think 5 lakh uh, kind of 50 lakh 25 lakh kind of kiloliters in a year they want to double it to 50 lakh uh, kiloliters uh, at this stage uh so it's a very ambitious program and they are also looking to incentivize investors who will uh, participate in this so that they get adequate return on investment uh, in doing this and at the same time there are obviously you know benefits around the uh, environment you should also generate uh, employment uh, and you know some of the grains that usually end up rotting you know in go downs and so on all that waste can be cut down and farmers can actually some sell some of those to uh, make some money so i think it's it's too early to you know figure out what the exact benefits are but uh, it's a, it's a great uh, step forward considering that bihar already has uh, you know some capacity in uh, in producing ethanol uh, mandar has a good point saying punjab needs a, a ethanol policy which which is quite true <laughs> yeah, I just worried the ethanol might go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, to you know, uh, round things up uh, for the week. The final piece of news again, very interesting, very positive. Uh, in a major milestone, the Statue of Unity at Kevadia in Gujarat's uh, Narmada district has crossed the mark of fifty lakh visitors since its inauguration in twenty eighteen. Uh, the state government sources uh, said on Monday. Uh, the statue has emerged as an international tourist destination offering multiple attractions for all age groups uh, gujarat's additional chief secretary forest and environment rajiv gupta ji said in a tweet uh, the 182 meter tall statue of sardar vallabhbhai patel built as the world's tallest uh, statue uh, and built on sadhu bet islet near the sardar sarovar dam in kevadia was inaugurated by prime minister narendra modi ji on uh, october 31st uh, 2018 Uh, Ashish, uh, there was a lot of criticism when this project was conceived. Uh, is this a sort of a vindication? Absolutely. Uh, you know, fifty lakh tourists in less than three years, actually two and a half years. One year of which was COVID. Like all of the uh, we we had twelve thirteen months of COVID impact effectively, right? So, uh, within with, with that background, having fifty lakh people visiting is a huge achievement. Uh, it also shows the potential of tourism in a more larger sense, right? see the uh, tourism as a enabler to economy has got three advantages one is that the the first is that the jobs which tourism creates are in situ jobs so they are wherever people are living right people don't have to migrate for economic purposes uh, if tourism can be promoted in their regions uh, in this particular case narmada district is one of the poorest districts in india so as such uh, the 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 benefit for the local population is huge uh, in terms of people coming in so that is one part the second part is that the uh, the the people who come i mean the tourists who visit these sites typically have good spending power they and whenever you are on a vacation you tend to spend on different things right so uh, the average income in these regions let's say if the statue was not there so people whatever they were earning uh, staying in kevadia or in the namada district in general uh, versus what they are doing now the difference will be humongous uh, in in nature the third part is that the the type of jobs are also a wide spectrum right what tourism generates so you can have very basic jobs in terms of uh, upkeeping of a of a site or let's say uh, you know 
drivers or you know uh, transportation services to you know things like gardening or hotel staff etc to a fairly uh, like a like a more traditional services job like the the folks who are in the hospitality industry uh, and so on engineers uh, site engineers who are there so then of course you need to create facilities for their stay and their uh, their their day to day life and so on right so that, that's how economy develops so when people measure the benefits of like you know when people do a very straight line irr type calculations for tourism projects i think they're just missing the larger point a lot of these projects apart from being i mean adding up to the india's heft as a tourism destination in general also create a lot of social uh, or, or or economic good for the for the region right which you cannot do without these projects so there's also a bit of an opportunity cost they can so the question here is that could you have spent 2000 crores and created the same economic down you know downstream benefit for for perpetuity for for another district so can your 2000 crore investment uh, provide and provide that development for perpetuity the answer probably is no there's there's no project which can have that kind of a returns over several years right i think that is how these projects need to be evaluated and i just hope that uh, we do more of these uh, one interesting area where we are trying to invest is a lighthouses lighthouse projects right so india has got several lighthouses uh, which are now and i think if you if you go to europe or us lighthouses are always a marketed as a tourist destination uh, you know you can walk to them or you can uh, you know take a boat to some of these lighthouses in many places and 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 basically uh, you know climb up the stairs and so on there's generally museums in, in in those places i think that that is now coming to india and i just hope that we do a good job of it there are i think uh, about 80 odd lighthouses identified for the pro- for the projects and more such local tourist uh, tourism is what really will unlock the real potential of this critical area of services economy for the country yeah i i just want to make like one small point in addition to what ashish said which is you know it's not just the benefit uh, economic benefit but there's a lot of infrastructure that gets created so i think in an earlier episode ashish had also spoken about the seaplane service right to 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 this uh, so that in itself creates it it also builds up some infrastructure and the thing on lighthouses the thing is lighthouses in india are pretty accessible it's just that most people don't know about it if you you know walk to a lighthouse in india the the caretakers are pretty friendly i've done it in a few places and they actually give you all the things you know that ashish are talking about they take you to the top they give you a view everything they they do all of that it's just that very few people actually know about these things yeah i mean even aside from the economic and the infrastructure benefits i think the cultural benefits itself are immense right yeah. uh, i think a nation should invest in promoting its heroes and uh, that's a sign of a thriving civilization i would say right um, all right that brings us to the end of the bharatvartha weekly for this week and uh, so last week some of you might have noticed that we launched a premium subscription um, so we're officially a youtube channel now right <laughs> in some sense uh, so we have two options for you bharatvartha plus uh, and bharatvartha prime plus will give you loyalty badges uh, exclusive behind the scenes footage like me telling whatsan to unmute himself a bunch of dozen times or you know our guests uh, uh, casually chatting with us about uh, things other than their subjects and so on and so forth and also of course call outs on social media uh, so uh, thank you mandar thank you ashray thank you so much for for being early adopters and supporting us right uh, and bharatvartha prime will give you everything in plus all of the good stuff and also an opportunity to engage in amas with our guests and uh, so on so 
you could ask uh, whatsa yourself uh, you know why he stays on mute so many times right so uh, and and also exclusive prime only episodes that we are planning to shoot with subject matter experts so yeah i mean uh, this literally uh, went live yesterday we really haven't promoted it as much uh, we'll be you know uh, uh, posting about this on our social channels but you know do spread the good word on uh, with your friends and family and uh, hope to have your love and support as always thank you so much uh, for joining us everyone uh, this has been another fantastic edition of the weekly with all of you so from ashish watsa and myself thank you so much and uh, see you soon thank you thank you